710 ESPN. This is Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. You know, I'm a born and raised Laker fan. I'm literally the only reason why I think I have this opportunity to have this microphone in front of me is because I'm passionate about the brand. I'm passionate about the Lakers. A lot of it just comes natural. I'm not forcing any of it. Lakers Talk continues right now. Here's Alan Sliwa. One hour into Lakers Talk. Still, I have not made one mention of the NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks are one game away from an NBA championship. It would be their first championship since 1971. They've won three games in a row. Take a listen here to Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, we were at the game. Uh, If you guys are listening in in the morning in this morning show with Travis and I, we were at the LAFC game on Saturday night when this was going on. We did a little listener event, fantastic event there, a great atmosphere at LAFC. But the game was going on simultaneous. On one screen, you had LAFC. On the other screen, you had the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Um, I remember driving over to uh, the uh, Bank of California, the stadium there, and it was 32-16. to 16. Bucks are down 16 on the road. Critical game five. You're kind of in your head saying, okay, well, you know what? I think this is just going to keep going back where the home team is going to win. And then eventually game seven will come, and it's an it's an evenly matched matchup. Here's Giannis on what the team was thinking when they were down 16 going into that uh, second quarter. Yeah, yeah uh, great momentum. Uh, we were able to keep our composure. We were making shots. We were getting downhill. We were defending. You know, we're down, you know, we're down 16. You know, and, and you know that's what our team is about. You, know, you can go the other way. You can be like, oh yeah, okay. You know, this is not the night, but no, we, we kept playing hard, especially that group that came back to the game. They kept moving the ball, they kept getting open shots. Um, they were knocking it, knocking it down, too, so they played great. They played great in that, that stretch. All right, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Uh, obviously, if you're the Phoenix Suns or the Milwaukee Bucks, hurry up and get that championship because you're probably not going to have that many more opportunities. I, when I say that, this is what I mean. Chris Paul is in his 16th year in the NBA. Uh, obviously, the Bucks, um, they'll have plenty of more chances to get back there. The problem is Philly's only going to get better. Brooklyn, if they're healthy, uh, Milwaukee's not in the NBA Finals. They're just not. But you take advantage of the opportunity in front of you. The Milwaukee Bucks, a game away from a championship. And, you know, I this has actually been, in my opinion, pretty entertaining. It's entertaining because both teams are not the best teams in the league. It's not like the Phoenix Suns had an opportunity um, to not to avoid Anthony Davis, avoid Jamal Murray, and avoid Kawhi Leonard, but they had Brooklyn in the finals, and Brooklyn was like, well, this is a, a kind of a cakewalk. No, no disrespect to the Suns, but a Brooklyn Nets team that's healthy, well, it's going to be a different story because the Bucks on their end of the draw, kind of fell into similar circumstances, and this has been the question mark in the NBA. It's been the lack of health. That has kind of brought these two teams together. But that's what's made it an exciting series. They're pretty evenly matched. Um, I was telling Travis this morning, I'm like, Trav, I mean, if, if you really look at it, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, the three best players for the Bucks versus the three best players of the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, um, uh, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. The big difference is you got one team that just has more experience. I know Chris Paul's got a ton of experience, but this is Aiton and Devin Booker's first time in the NBA playoffs. Chris Middleton's been through that grind before. He's done it with Giannis. Drew Holiday has been in the league for a long time. So I, I do think that's really the difference 
in the NBA Finals so far, and I think it's been an evenly matched championship run. And I'd be shocked if Milwaukee doesn't finish it up tomorrow. Take a quick listen to Chris Paul on um, uh, getting ready for Game 6. Just embrace it. You know, we, we knew this wasn't going to be easy. <laughs> uh, we didn't expect it to be. And, I mean, it's hard. You know, Coach said, you know, everything we want is on the other side of hard, and it don't get no harder than this. You know, so learn from this game. But, you know, we got to get ready for Game 6. All right, let's see what happens. By the way, if you're Chris Paul, some stats about Chris Paul don't want to be associated with up two to nothing in a series this would be the fourth time that Chris Paul is a part of a team that blew a two nothing lead in a seven game set if they uh, end up losing this one against the Milwaukee Bucks um, kind of had you know some key turnovers really hasn't been he had a pretty good game five he did not have a good game four it's not just on him Devin Booker had a big turnover in game five so uh, we'll see what happens, but if the Phoenix Suns are to force a Game 7 back in Phoenix, I'd be surprised if they do so. And if, by the way, if it happens, it'd be exciting to get just a couple more games of NBA basketball. So I thought this was interesting. Continuing our top NBA stories here, Devin Booker was on the jump, and Richard Jefferson was interviewing him. Richard Jefferson asked the question about, hey, do you like all these comparisons with Kobe Bryant? That has been the conversation, and I've kind of gone out of my way to talk about how much I don't like these comparisons. But this is exactly what Devin Booker said, and I think a lot of people respect when he says this. I should never be compared to Kobe Bryant. That was his quote to Richard Jefferson. I should never be compared to, uh, to Kobe Bryant. Book, couldn't agree with you more. And I hate that these comparisons come up, and, you know, we'll watch certain highlights and when they're making those comparisons and they'll talk about the interview or the the moment because Devin Booker had a great piece with Michael Wilbon. I think I saw this before the playoffs started where Devin Booker told a story that after a game when Kobe was still playing with the Lakers that he told Book, hey, come back to the locker room after. They spent 15 minutes together or so, 15 or 20 minutes. And, you know, something stuck with Devin Booker of what Kobe told him, be legendary. He's got that tattooed on him. He puts that on each one of his shoes when he wears uh, during games. So Devin Booker obviously trying to grab some of that Kobe mentality. But I love Devin Booker saying, I should not be compared to Kobe Bryant. We do this too often in sports. Maybe I get caught up in it too. I try not to. Devin Booker's never been to the NBA playoffs. This is his first playoff appearance. He's in the NBA Finals. And we're going to start throwing comparisons to Kobe Bryant, who played in the league for 20 years. That's five NBA championships that won it with two different regimes, has two jerseys hanging up at Staples Center. Come on now. Do we really want to make comparisons Kobe Bryant and Devin Booker? Um, I, I love that that's what Devin Booker said, and hopefully that kind of quiets down some of those comparisons. That's not to say you can say, well, his style of basketball is like him. You know, I, I've said that. Since LeBron got in the league, it was stop comparing him to Michael Jordan, compare him more to Magic. Those those games are similar. You can make those kind of comparisons. Their style of basketball, but I think there's other things that just stand out. Um, and I, I love that Devin Booker said that. Okay, another NBA story I want to get into. What am I missing here with Trey Young? Am I missing something with Trey Young? Um, the Team USA Basketball announced today that Zach Levine, due to health and safety protocols, won't travel to Tokyo with teammates today. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to get out there. He will. 
um, per Team USA out of an abundance of caution. USA Basketball Men's National Team member Zach Levine has been placed under USA Basketball's health and safety protocols. Will not travel to Tokyo today. USA Basketball hopes that Zach will be able to join the team in Tokyo later this week. Why am I bringing this up? Uh, earlier last week or late last week, Bradley Beal, um, he's not going to be a part of it. Jeremy Grant, he's not going to be a part of it. Obviously, the USA is already waiting for Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton to join uh, the USA basketball team in Tokyo once the NBA Finals is over. But there was a tweet that Trey Young sent on Friday that I think is a... This is a player. Basically, he sent out a tweet of Isaiah Thomas making the case in the last dance, uh, making a case that my resume was there, but I just did not get invite, invited to be a part of the dream team. And Trey Young basically trying to say, I want to play. I want to be there. Invite me. I'm ready. I'm good to go. They're adding other players on this uh, on this list to join them as part of the USA Olympic team, uh, and Trey Young is not on that list. I'm just going to say this from a pure NBA fan. I just watched Trey Young slice and dice the Eastern Conference to the Eastern Conference Finals, and if it wasn't for an ankle injury, maybe they meet the uh, beat the Milwaukee Bucks or at least force a Game Seven. Why is Trey Young not getting invited? Invite this dude to the party. First of all, he's a fantastic basketball player. Second of all, he wants to be there. I don't care about his age. I don't care about his lack of experience. I don't care that he's not a vet. As a fan, you want to watch superstars play and represent the United States of America, and we're not getting that chance. And we got guys like Kevin Love who get invited, but we're not getting Trey Young invited. Uh, I don't understand that one, so maybe I'm too passionate about that. (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe I should relax on that one. Okay, final NBA story that I have. Um, I thought this was interesting. So, Kevin Durant during the NBA Finals. Find the... Uh, let me find the... I want to read the exact uh, tweet here. So, Kevin Durant during the NBA Finals, there was a conversation that came up. And somebody had tweeted out something to the effect that it was a really evenly matched series so far between the uh, the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns and that they wanted to go seven games. Maybe this was on Instagram. Kevin Durant tweeted out, Warriors-Cavs 2017. Basically said, perfectly even matchup, fam, top to bottom. So I'm getting confused here. Is Kevin Durant talking about the 2017 NBA Finals where the Golden State Warriors beat the Cleveland Cavaliers four games to one? Is he talking about the NBA Finals where the year prior he left the Oklahoma City Thunder that was going toe-to-toe and went seven games against the uh, Golden State Warriors, left that team and joined the powerhouse of the Golden State Warriors but 73 wins the year prior? Is he saying that that matchup was evenly uh, was an even matchup? I I I'm, I think I'm missing something here. Somebody help me out here. That was not an even matchup. The NBA wasn't even for all three of those years that Kevin Durant left the Oklahoma City Thunder, went to the Golden State Warriors. There was nothing to watch in the NBA. Literally nothing to watch. And if those injuries don't happen to KD in that final year that he was with the Warriors, they'd have won three championships in a row. And if he decided to re-sign with the Warriors, they'd still be winning NBA. Cha- they'd still be winning championships together. So when he's when he's talking about this NBA Finals being evenly matched, and it reminds him of 2017, where they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers four games to one. Uh, my man, you're trying to make a case that there is absolutely no case for 
So I hope he expands on that one because I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Hopefully somebody asks him about it, USA Basketball. Um, All right, uh, coming up next, Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report. Built to lose, how the NBA's taking era changed the league forever. Plus, I'll get his thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers, get his thoughts on some of the uh, potential moves around the Los Angeles Lakers, and really just kind of the offseason in the NBA, the sign-in trades, teams going all in. We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, if you missed uh, any part of Lakers Talk, you could download the full two hours ESPN app or on iTunes. Just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa, and you'll get the full two hours on the podcast. By the way, can't tell you guys how much I appreciate it. I know if you missed the show live, it's on 7 to 9 p.m. You get that option of listening to it on the podcast. Downloads do great, so always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Let me welcome in Jake Fisher, Bleach Report. Also uh, recently wrote a book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, Jake, thank you for taking some time, buddy. What's going on? Thank you uh, for joining the show. You got it, man. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good. Let, let me start off with this. Before we get into free agency, before we get into all that stuff, um, what we think the offseason is going to look like, and then I, I got a couple questions about uh, about your book. Um, let me just get your thoughts real quick. What do you think? Tomorrow, game six in Milwaukee. Milwaukee's obviously won three games in a row. You know that place is going to be rocking, a chance to win a championship, their first one since 1971. Do you think the Bucks get it done tomorrow, or can the Phoenix Suns just win one game and take it back to Phoenix. You know, they used to say the old ad, it's really difficult to beat teams three times in a row. I think it's really difficult to beat a team in a playoff series four times in a row, right? I, I think the Suns, you know, they, they, they had that 16 point lead. I think it was one point in the second quarter. Now they've got the talent, they just haven't put it together in a couple of tries here. It's got to break their way eventually, I think. And, you know, the pressure will be on Milwaukee at home, right? Now the Suns, you know, they were up 2-0. They had that whole Chris Paul leading, you know, obviously ESPN uh, tweeted out that, uh, you know, stat that he's the only player or whatever potentially to blow a 2-0 series lead. I don't. I think the pressure is now off Phoenix, and they're going to play freer and looser, and mm-hmm. I think the Suns can get this thing done. Well, it's interesting you say that because – it's not like the Suns are losing games. It's not like they're losing by 25 these last couple of games, right? They had a chance to win game four. They had a chance to win game five, and I'm talking about kind of towards the end, the stretch. And give Milwaukee its credit, whether it's big defensive stops, which we've seen from the Milwaukee Bucks, whether it's questionable calls or didn't put a timeout in play when they had the opportunity. It's Devin Booker with a late turnover. The game before that, it was Chris Paul with a late turnover. So I know what you're saying as in, um, they've been in these games. They just kind of haven't closed things out or or put themselves in in a, in a position to win it at the end. So let let's see how things pan out. Uh, listen, if you told me we get one more game after uh, tomorrow, I'm all in. I'm all good for that. Game sevens are exciting. Um, I mentioned earlier. I 
I do think that's going to be an incredible challenge. They do have nothing to lose, but man, that's got to be that place got to be rocking tomorrow. So let's see if they could force a game seven. Um, uh, Jake, I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I read your article. This was maybe just a few days ago or so. I I, I want to get your opinion on how, how much action do you think we're going to see this off season? And what I'm talking about is, um, you know, obviously free agent uh, moves. Uh, trades, sign-in trades. Lakers obviously in a position where if Dennis Schroeder wants to go somewhere else and they're going to obviously do everything they can to try to go get a sign-in trade. Uh, teams going all in. What what kind of offseason are you expecting in the NBA as everybody is kind of either chasing the elite or they feel like they're right there, they have a shot? What, what kind of action do you think we're going to get? I think we're going to see a flurry of action. I mean, the article you, you, you mentioned was the, predicting this to be the summer of sign and trade. I mean, I think we've seen now where these franchises who are all in, who have pushed their chips in the center of the table, they're big game hunting. And, and, and this is a, you know, the roster machinations we see at the top of the league now are shrewder and more cap savvy than ever before. And I think the only way to continue to be, you know, in that type of state of the league is, you know, the Suns Bucks finals was not something that everyone expected heading into this year. I think, you know, maybe the the, the golden age of parity that Adam Silver has been hoping to, to usher in isn't quite here, but you know, I I think we're at a point now where there's seven or eight teams that as we stand, you know, today on, you know, July nineteenth, they think they've got a real shot at being one or two moves away from winning this whole thing next year. And that's gonna start, you know, the Lakers and Clippers both have, have big moves to make on the margins. The Bucks are going to have to, you know, look at PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis, and uh, the, the Nets are, you know, backup point guard away. They think there's this the, the whole Ben Simmons question. Like every team, it seems like that's at the top of this list hmm. has their own question marks and, own, and and their own cap restrictions that you know are going to be ending up kind of hamstringing them and forcing them to get a little, a little bit more creative. So I think we're going to see a ton, a ton of movement. Jake Fisher writes for Bleach Report, takes some time to join uh, Lakers Talk right now. Um, okay, if I had to put you on the spot, just your opinion. Obviously, we'll see what, what eventually pans out. Do you think Dennis Schroeder will be a Laker after this offseason? I don't. I, I think the moment he declined that um, offer, Four, I guess. 484, I sure. I don't know if it was, yeah, I don't know if it was, you know, here's the contract signed out the, the dotted line right here, but that was definitely a number that everyone has talked about behind the scenes. And so I think the second he turned that down, that, that's when, you know, the Lakers really threw their hat in the ring for Kyle Lowry back at the trade deadline. And I think there are several teams interested in Dennis. I, I think the Lakers recognized, A, with Anthony Davis probably being better served at the five and LeBron defensively probably being better served at the four now. He flipped it on the offensive side of the ball. They want that third, you know, maybe even primary ball handler that, that can take LeBron and, and put him on the wing and create uh, secondarily and attack defenses off a switch or off a swing rather than have to bring it up, you know, 48 minutes a night. I think that's why they're interested in Lonzo Ball. You hear that name a lot. That, that, I think the Kyle Lowry situation is definitely not going away. They're going to make and, and, and try to make a move. Uh, to bring in somebody that you know that they think is better than Dennis, but also I think Dennis is looking for a bigger role elsewhere. He might be able to get that 
in Chicago and New York. Those are two teams that are often mentioned as students for him. So, yes, I expect that in the to be playing on different jersey next season. How, how realistic is it to, you know, you mentioned a couple names there, Lonzo, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. I know those are the two that have been not, not just attached primarily with the Lakers, um, Chicago, New York, other teams will try to make moves. I'm sure the Clippers will try to be active. So there'll be a lot of teams. I think New Orleans is another team that we've heard. With all that being said, how realistic is it that the Lakers can go out and get one of those players that you're referring to? Because it's not as simple as saying, well, we'll just, we got this money here and we're going to just go sign that guy outright. No, you got a lot of pieces that would have to work your way. You'd need guys to agree, even if Dennis Schroeder is leaving and he's going somewhere to go get that bigger role. You you need you need players to agree in a sign and trade. Is it, uh, is it something that you yeah. think is super realistic? Um. I, I don't. I think there's going to be very realistic opportunities to sign and trade down a shorter way and get something back. But I don't know how realistic it is just to say, you know, I mean, Lakers fans I see on Twitter just want to point out, oh, let's sign and trade him for Dave Miller. Like, that's not going to happen. They're not just going to be able to sign and trade him for Bradley Beal or for anybody who I think isn't like already considered to be available right now. So that's obviously they're going to make the, the Lakers' choices slimmer tickets, right? If someone is available, that means there's a reason why they're available. There's a reason why their team is open to, to parting ways with them. So I, I think you know, Lakers fans might have to um, lower their expectations a little bit on what they can get back. But, you know, then again, you could never say never. And maybe there is an opportunity. Like they, they basically stole Dennis Schroeder this summer already, or, or, or last summer. You know when they did get him and uh, you know made that pretty splash I and mean, even though it didn't necessarily work out the way they wanted to when the situation we are now. So never say never. And obviously the clutch aspect here, like maybe there's a there's a client on their uh, roster that they can ultimately figure out a way to, to finagle and find his way to Los Angeles, like this Paul tends to do. But for now, I, I think people need to start having realistic expectations for the reinforcements that are coming for for the Lakers. Jake, uh, don't worry about those Laker fans who are unrealistic on Twitter. I'll have personal conversations <laughs> with each one of them. Don't worry. Well, uh, I have media sessions. Uh, I have therapy sessions every uh, couple of weeks, so don't worry about that. Uh, Jake Fisher, um, <laughs> who wrote also, aside from writing for Bleacher Report, wrote a book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Um I got a couple questions about the book, which I know came out in May. I want to say is when uh, when, yep, when the May book 4th. became available. Um, can can you kind of describe this because this takes me back a little bit to I, I'm you know I grew up a Laker fan and I got the honor of having a microphone in front of me and talking Lakers basketball. <laughs> and the last yeah. couple of years, you know, prior to LeBron James coming over, uh, it was. Is it just different a different world for Laker fans? You know, we were towards the end of the season. You were rooting for them to lose. Um, you were watching the draft lottery night as if it was you know the NBA championship, and then you were drafting guys like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson and Brandon Ingram and go down the list. Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. So that world was different for a lot of Laker fans because it was consecutive years where you were just always a part of the draft. When you know you titled how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever, it immediately takes me back to those days. Can you kind of describe how the league has changed based upon tanking and, and kind of how that affects today's NBA as well? Yeah, I, I think you know the book 
really highlights Sam Hinkie's process here, but also there were so many teams tanking for that 2014 draft class that started Bede and Andrew Wiggins and Barry Parker, but also you know, that 2015 class with Cat and D'Angelo and the 16 class with Ingram versus Simmons. Like, there was a trend those couple of years, and it's still continuing now, too, but I think that period really pushed the concept of team building and the conversation about it to the mainstream where fans online are at a ball, you know, they're talking about the cap now and, and, and pick protections and trades. And I think well, a, a big reason why it became such a factor in the league ecosystem is that for every team that's not the Lakers, for every franchise that can't be, can't have the worst record from 2012 to 2017. And because they're the Lakers, mm-hmm. they still just sign LeBron into agency. And then Anthony Davis joins him the next year. Mm-hmm. And we're having this conversation right now about which third star can they still get, even after they you know, fell to the seventh seed and lost pretty quickly in the first round. For every other franchise, the most direct route and, and the, the simplest, cleanest route to get guys even close to LeBron James, guys who have a chance to push you to championship detention, the most direct route is at the top of the draft. And obviously the best way to be at the top of the draft is to have the worst record. So I think it's, it's just part of this continuing evolution we're seeing here where we, we really have come to the point where you're either trying to compete for a title, and by doing so, you're going all in to get stars and stars and stars. And if you're not doing that, you know, you're, you're being left to the side of the road as other teams who take like Atlanta, like Phoenix, are, are jumping past you and really leapfrogging the ladder and getting back into that title conversation. Oh, the tanking days. Oh, what kind of a fan was I rooting for the Lakers uh, to <laughs> lose for picks? I, it, there was a there was a weird uh, method to my madness, and I think a lot of Laker fans were on the same track. Was it, it does you know kind of it, it's it was a crazy time. You were rooting for your squad to lose, and that lottery draft was everything. And then it came down to you know, it, it was in a weird way an exciting time for, um, for a sad state of where your franchise was. But it was still like you found a way to yeah. make it make it exciting. I, I kind of go with this final question that I got for you to kind of circle. I guess make the full circle on this. Can you give me some Laker tie-ins in the book for, um, you know, how you have an audience here of Laker fans? Give me some, you know, some some pieces here that we can relate to from a Lakers perspective. I think the interesting aspect of the Lakers story, in addition to the big market here, is while all their competitors from that time period where, where Cody was really making that second push for championships, the Celtics, the Magic, the Suns, well, they all they they pressed the restart button while the Lakers refused to. And, you know, they got a lot of flack for it year after year after year where they went into free agency and lost the weight in 2013. And 2014, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by signing Kobe to that big godfather extension way ahead of time, way ahead of free agency where they no longer have two max cap spots so they can't get LeBron and Carmelo, even though, you know, there's definitely a lot of people on the league who think they could have gotten votes for LeBron and Carmelo. Then you go to 2015 and they, they flop with Marcus the whole COVID situation in that meeting. Um, and, you know, they don't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant. But the Lakers, you know, they didn't take off from Kobe, and they kept paying them that money to, to show other stars around the league that this is the franchise of superstars. And when you are our guy, when you are our Laker, we're going to treat you as such. And they got a lot of flack for it, a lot of it. I mean, they had the worst record over five years, and, and, and people on the league were kind of celebrating it. But – 
it, it drew LeBron. And I, I think Jim Dawson, Mitch Kupchak, at, at the end of my book, they, they kind of, at the end of the storyline here, they kind of get vindicated for the way they wanted to show all stars around the league. If you come here, we're going to treat you like we treated Kobe. And I do think that was a big, big reason why LeBron did choose to, to I think, finish his career in Los Angeles, even with all the Byron Scott, D'Angelo Russell infighting and, you know, all, all the other situations that was happening behind the scenes there and the cousin pole with the whole Phil Jackson, Mike D'Antoni hire that happened. I think at the end of the day, what they did honoring Kobe the way they did and, and stuck by him and wanted to, you know, really champion the final years of his career, I think that really did a point in messaging to the start of tomorrow. If you come here, we're going to treat you that way too. Jake, great stuff, man. I, I really actually enjoyed this interview, and I appreciate you um, uh, sharing uh, not just your thoughts on the offseason, the NBA Finals, uh, but the book sounds fascinating as well. Jake Fisher writes for Bleacher Report, has a book out, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. I think Laker fans can definitely relate to that era that we're talking about. Um, thank you for the time. Appreciate it, and uh, great stuff. Okay, bud? You got it, man. Thank you. Hey, Jake, actually, one more question. What's your What's your Twitter handle? How can How can people get some info on the book? It's at Jake L. Fisher, L-F-I-S-C-H-E-R, and uh, it's on AmazonBookshop.org. Triumph Books, my publisher, Barnes & Noble, would appreciate anyone uh, buying a copy and support. All right, Jake. Thank you, brother. All right, good stuff right there. Good stuff there from uh, from Jake Fisher. Uh, Dude reached out to me a couple months ago, and I hadn't met him before, and I thought it was uh, kind of some interesting Laker angles there, so glad, uh, glad I got a chance to get him on. Okay, when we come back, do you hear what Stephen A. S- uh, Stephen A. Smith said on first take this morning? Steve actually uh, brought this one to my attention. I kind of had my own topics going through stuff. He's like, did you hear what Stephen A. said? We come back, I want to play something. Because Stephen A. is talking about Damian Lillard. And he has an idea of how to get Damian Lillard to the Los Angeles Lakers. And I couldn't disagree with him more. That's coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Man, what a great show. How quick it flew by. Um, Doesn't matter. Late in July, no Lakers basketball. We're waiting for free agency to start. There's always great Laker topics, and uh, appreciate Jake Fisher's time from Bleacher Report. Appreciate the... uh, all the callers in that first hour, the Harris winners that we got, the conversation that we got on Lonzo Ball, Shaquille O'Neal, like I mentioned, 25-year anniversary uh, yesterday on becoming a Los Angeles Laker. Where are we on that poll with Lonzo? Let me look here real quick. Poll with Lonzo Ball, I put out to Laker fans, do you want to see Lonzo Ball back? 70% want to see him back on the Lakers, 30% no. I'm on the 30% front. Let me take a quick call, and then I want to um, – play some of this stuff from Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Solomon in Lake Balboa. Solomon, what's going on? Thank you for calling in, bud. Oh, I am good, man. Um, real, real quick on the poll, I do want to talk about Shaq, but, um, yeah, I want Lonzo back. I, I like the things that he could do for the Lakers when he was on the floor. Anyway, regarding Shaq, 
it's an interesting it's an interesting study there. Um, three things he said or did that I think did not exactly ingratiate him to Laker fans. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, Shaq, can you, can you do better on your free throws? Well, I make them when they count. I'm going, Shaq, they all count. So just stop that, okay? He would play himself into shape. I'm doing it on company time. Mm-hmm. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't just pay me. It was an explicit, ex- expletive pay me. Yeah, I think you're right on was that. Not very res- yeah, it was not very respectful to, to Jerry Buss. That all said, Shaq, and he was probably right, was so big, so dominant, so strong, so overpowering, he felt he didn't need to work at it that hard. That's what, that's, that's the, what he sort of exhumed, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think certain Laker fans, especially, you know, dedicated ones that are, are really Kobe fans, we didn't like that, you know. That's, we want someone, you know, more like a Kobe with that work ethic. And I told you and Travis the other day, if, Co- if Shaq had Kobe's work ethic, greatest basketball player of all time, and I'll put him right up there with Michael. Appreciate it, Solomon. Thank you for calling in. I think that's part of what made Shaq Shaq. That, um, let, let me actually put it this way. I think that's what made Kobe such a great where he felt like he had to outwork everybody because he wasn't Shaq size. He could, couldn't just walk into a gym and he was the most dominating player. But th- this is the thing that I'll always back Shaq up with. He delivered. So if there are Laker fans that weren't big Shaq fans, he delivered. If you weren't a big LeBron James fan when he came to the Lakers, just for whatever reason, you just didn't like him, you weren't a fan of his, or there were too many comparisons to Kobe or other Lakers, whatever the case was, he delivered. That's kind of how I assess some of these Laker greats, is, um, and certainly Shaquille O'Neal falls into, falls into this. Did he have some of his faults? He did, but he delivered. That's kind of what it comes down to me. All right, let, let me um, let me play this real quick. Stephen A. Smith was on first take, obviously, this morning. He does the show with Kellerman and uh, Molly Karam. And he's talking about Damian Lillard. Let, take a listen to this. Um, Stephen A. Smith is trying to find a way to bring Damian Lillard to the Lakers. This is his idea. I would even consider trading Anthony Davis from the Los Angeles Lakers to get Damian Lillard with LeBron James because this season Anthony Davis missed more games or just as many games as Damian Lillard missed his entire career. I would actually consider that if I were Portland and I were the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, that's Stephen A. Smith earlier. Uh, Laker fans, I want to kind of make things clear here. I've been on the camp of um, Damian ain't coming to the Lakers. He's just not for many reasons. Number one, he's not coming because the Lakers don't have the assets to go get him. Number two, he's not coming because um, the Portland Trailblazers would just, they wouldn't trade him to the Lakers. They just wouldn't do it. Uh, I think they would, you know, it's not like he's on a contract here. It's not like they have to make a decision by this free agency or by the start of the season or by the trade deadline. He's about to start a four year, a new four year contract. But this notion of, well, no, 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 there might be a way to get Damian Lillard. It's going to cost you Anthony Davis. That's what Stephen A. Smith is suggesting. Stephen A. Smith is suggesting, and this isn't the first time I've heard this. I've heard this before. I very, very briefly in last Lakers talk went into it. Just a quick little, you know, quick little conversation on this was um, kind of a topic that I've, I've I've heard other people bring up. Laker fans, you're not winning a championship if Anthony Davis is not on this team. You're just not. It's not going to happen. 
I'm as big of a fan as Dame Time and how clutch the guy is and what a big-time performer he is and how great he's been for the Portland Trailblazers, that franchise, and that market. I'm a fan of him. How can't you be? There's certain players in the league. I hear a lot of people talk about how they don't like Chris Paul. I hear that all the time from Travis in the morning. You don't hear that about Damian Lillard. You don't hear people say, I don't like Damian Lillard. He is a very likable star and is somebody that a lot of people root for. You know what Damian Lillard is missing in Portland? You know why he can't win an NBA championship? He's missing a guy like Anthony Davis. That's what he's missing. If you think LeBron James and Damian Lillard will go get you an NBA championship and you don't have a legitimate big man who is by far the biggest advantage that the Lakers have, um, you know, obviously down low, the best big man in the NBA. He's not the best big man in the NBA. He's one of the best two-way players in the NBA and one of the best big men in the NBA. That, in my opinion, is a better way to describe how good he is and how great Anthony Davis is. I am not on that camp of we should trade away Anthony Davis to go get Damian Lillard. I'm not. And I know what Stephen A is trying to say. Stephen A is trying to say that Anthony Davis is not healthy enough to be on your roster on a consistent basis. I got a call in the 7 p.m. hour. Somebody's telling me street clothes. Call Anthony Davis street clothes, which I still think is incredibly disrespectful, and I hated when Charles Barkley brought that up, and I hated that it's stuck with a lot of different people where they started calling him street clothes or they started using that as a nickname. I thought it was incredibly disrespectful. Um, If the Lakers are to win another championship in this LeBron window, if that's going to happen... It's happening with Anthony Davis on this roster. It's not happening with a guard that doesn't play defense and, you know, primarily his game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away anything from it, from Damian Lillard. But there's two sides of the ball. And you got one player that has the ability to drop 27, 30, 35 points a night in Anthony Davis. But you also got a guy that can get you three block shots, 12 rebounds, uh, two steals, and just completely dominate the paint. I'm going to say it again. The biggest advantage that the Lakers have, having Anthony Davis on this roster, um, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. I want to go back to the playoffs for a quick second. Lakers were in a playoff run against the Phoenix Suns. Do you know what happened to the Lakers when Anthony Davis went down with his injury, that groin injury? Do you know what happened? It was lights out. And I know that would be the same case if Damian Lillard went down with the Portland Trailblazers. I understand that. I understand how key Damian Lillard is to the Portland Trailblazers. I don't even want to have the conversation about an Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard. I'd rather keep building with what the Lakers have, obviously take advantage of this opportunity, this two-year window that the Lakers have with LeBron. Maybe it's going to be more than that. You know when Laker fans say, yeah, but what are we going to do when LeBron James retires? What are we going to do when LeBron retires? That's when you're trying to have a conversation about Anthony Davis playing with a guy like Damian Lillard, not trading the two and having the Lakers uh, miss one of their key assets. So obviously I'm not down for that. When we come back, I want to... uh, I'm actually going to I want kind of continue a conversation here, and I'm going to stay with Anthony Davis because the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the captain, um, who's on the cover of NBA 2K's 22 75th anniversary edition, did an interview, and he had a comment about Anthony Davis that I want to get into. We'll do that coming up next. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. 
This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, quick shout-out to Gustavo Madrigal, Aaron Martinson, and Joey Garcia. Those are our three winners from the Harris Resort SoCal trivia we did uh, earlier today. We did some Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal trivia. So they're all going to get a two-night stay to Harris Resort SoCal plus $200 room credit. So appreciate them being a part of the show. Hello there. Um, I want to... Uh, I want to read something off here real quick as we come to the close of the show here. The captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, says Anthony Davis, who, by the way, he did this interview um, as part of their promoting the NBA 2K22 75th anniversary uh, edition. So the captain was doing this interview with Sanjish uh, Singh of USA Today. And he says, I have a favorite big man, and he happens to play in L.A. and wear number three, Anthony Davis. I think he's the most talented. Defensively in the paint, he's awesome. Offensively in the paint, he's awesome. And then he could go out on the perimeter and be a problem. He can hit the three consistently or the mid and uh, long-range jumper. So I would have to go with him. He's talking about his favorite big man in the NBA. But as you said, Embiid, he's tough. Jokic, he's tough. I haven't seen them play a lot. I might change my mind if I get the chance to see them play more. But I'm going to have to go with AD because I'm a Laker through and through, and he's proved it so far. So that's the captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, talking about uh, Anthony Davis. And I'm coming off the discussion about Stephen A. Smith saying that he would uh, he would look to trade Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard. That's how highly he thinks of Damian Lillard. I completely disagree. I think you know Anthony Davis is such a disadvantage for other teams because he can be the four, he could be the five, he could be the best defensive player on the floor, the best offensive player on the floor at any time. So Kareem thinks he's the best big man in the NBA. You know, I, I don't have to tell Laker fans out there how much, and I try to come to the defense for Anthony Davis, how much I love AD, but he's not the best big man in the NBA right now. He's just not. Um... I want him to become the best player, the best big man in the NBA. Um, That can't happen until he becomes the best player on the Lakers. That can't happen until we're talking about him for MVP. That can't happen until we start having the conversation about, okay, well, as LeBron just naturally because of his age, and I think we've all been off on when that will happen. Not I think we all have been off on when he'll kind of start slowing down. There's just got to come a point where, um, you know, obviously Anthony Davis becomes the best player on the squad. And that's the one thing I'm waiting for. And hopefully those two meet together this upcoming year and they're both uh, – It's we're having conversation about Anthony Davis for MVP – we're having conversation about how Anthony Davis plays 75 games this upcoming year. We're having conversation about how there's just no answer for AD. And, and by the way, that's not that's not too different of the conversation we were having when the Lakers won the championship. And that's not too different of a conversation we were having with Anthony Davis in Game 2 and Game 3 of that first-round matchup against the Phoenix Suns. Um, but it just wasn't meant to be this year. Um, Jokic was fantastic for Denver. Embiid was obviously fantastic. Jo- uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been unbelievable for the Milwaukee Bucks in this playoff run. I hesitate to say AD is the best big man in the NBA at the moment because of some of the reasons that I laid out there. But I love the captain and Kareem basically saying Kareem's reasoning is not only is he great in all this, oh, but all the way, um, but on top of that, he's also a Los Angeles Laker. So how am I going to hate on that? Um, 
The uh, the one other thing that I want to point out here as we come to uh, a close of the show tonight, um, tomorrow morning, Travis and I will be back doing the Travis and Sliwa show. So for those who don't know, I'm now doing that local morning show with Travis. Starts at 8.55 in the morning, and it goes till 11 a.m., uh, followed by Max Kellerman and then Keyshawn in the morning prior to that. So uh, just a reminder that back on tomorrow morning starting at 8.55, if you miss any part of Lakers Talk, you can catch the full two hours on the ESPN app or on iTunes. Just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Big shout-out to Steve Paulette for all the work that he did in the background here. Thank you to all the callers uh, for being a part of the show. I am going to do some Lakers Talk on social if you want to join me on YouTube. LA, as always, uh, appreciate the time and have a great rest of your night.